Oh, there's a B. <laughs> I've, I've got to let the B out. Hang on. All right, do that. <sighs> Non-stop. You're listening to I Might Be Wrong, a podcast about music hosted by myself, Rich Newham, and my co-host, Mr. Henry Salmon. Welcome. You are listening to I Might Be Wrong. I am Rich Newham, and with me is my co-host, Mr. Henry Salmon. Hello. How you doing, sir? I'm not too bad, thank you. I, I don't have a beer in my hand, which makes life slightly less good, but you do. Unbelievable. Yes, yes, I am. I'm <laughs> drinking some wild, wild beer as the, uh, the company. I've I've got a um I've got a cup of tea. It's it's really nice actually. So that beers for later. The cup of tea does feel quite quite apt given the band that we're going to discuss because they all had a bit they always had a bit of a touring reputation for being a quiet, not very rock and roll, not badly behaved band in in the Britpop era that was full of badly behaved bands. That's correct. Yes. Who are we talking about, Ridge? This week. It's sort of not really your choice or my choice here. We've we've decided that it's time to dive in on some of the big boys. And so we're going to cover Radiohead and we're going to cover OK Computer because that's the obvious place to start with Radiohead, really. What a classic. It, it is an unbelievable album. For anyone who's been living under a rock, Radiohead are an Oxford-based band that comprises of a man called Tom York, who is the vocalist, and you will hear him singing on pretty much every track. Johnny Greenwood, who's the main kind of guitarist and inspiration for all of the crazy, peddly guitar wizardry that goes on 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 Radiohead, particularly on the albums from OK Computer onwards. Ed O'Brien, Phil Selway, who's drums, and Colin Greenwood, who is on the bass. You should probably also mention Nigel Goodrich as well, who you probably were going to mention, um, as he's kind of because <laughs> they do talk about him as the the sixth member of, of the band um even though he doesn't play anything on their albums he's radiohead's fifth beetle yeah, yeah exactly exactly nigel godridge is the he was the sound engineer on the bends and was effectively the producer on that album and has been the producer on every radiohead album since then he's acknowledged as being a huge influence on the way that instruments and radiohead sound as a whole like he brings everything together he's like radiohead's mr miyagi i think he kind <laughs> of he, he tells them how to wax on and wax off and they're like oh yeah that's the way to do it yeah I, I don't think i don't think the influence that he has on radiohead the band can be underestimated yeah so radiohead again for anyone who's been living under a rock for the last 20 25 years their albums are Pablo Honey, The Benz, OK Computer, Kid A slash Amnesiac that I kind of put together really because they were recorded in the same session, Hail to the Thief, In Rainbows, King of Limbs and A Moon-Shaped Pool. I think it's fair to say the well the first album, Pablo Honey's um, pretty straightforward indie by numbers, probably influenced by the record companies and The Benz was a bit of a divergence for that but, but OK Computer disappears off into its um into very new territory do do you want to start with that or do you want to go back into the bends first i think the bends deserves a a a kind of an episode on its own so let's not let's not get too much into it today i think it's worth 
briefly touching on the Benz and, and Pablo Honey just because they sort of shape where Radiohead came from. Yeah. Certainly Pablo <clears throat> Honey, as you say, is, is very rocked by numbers. There are hints of what Radiohead will become in there. Uh, anyone can play guitar is a, be- is a belter off that album. But I, I don't know if you listened to Pablo Honey in the last 10 years. No, I haven't actually. No, I don't, I don't think I have. I didn't even listen to it before setting up for this episode so yeah it's 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 an all right album and i think if that was the only thing that radiohead ever did they would basically be thought of as one of those kind of middling decent indie Britpop bands yeah i i think so it there's nothing critically acclaimed on there it's got creep on there which yes. uh is a, a it probably deserves a, a mini episode all to itself I think some of the band, I think Johnny Greenwood didn't like it very much, which is why he crunches his guitar all the way through it. And it wasn't one they played at at gigs in their early days very much. And they didn't like playing it because it got a bit of a reputation. If you look at their Spotify plays, that's the most played Radiohead song of all of them. It got very big in the States. Creep, I think it was featured on something on some popular TV show out in the States when, when it, Radiohead were first emerging and they they as a band hate creep generally speaking because it's uh it's it's a song where they would go on tour in the states people would come and see them they'd fill up you know a decent sized gig venue they'd play creep halfway through the set and then <laughs> half their audience leave. would leave uh and so <gasps> they they really don't like it they it's 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 a song that they feel pretty strongly about uh i i don't know whether you're aware of this but i found this out a while back my iron lung is actually written about creep i didn't know that right so an iron lung is obviously this horrible machine that keeps you alive but not in a particularly exciting happy state and you can hear genuine bitterness in york's voice when he's singing on that song we are grateful for our iron lung and there's there's a lyric in there this is our new song just like the last one a total waste of time my iron lung wow so (laughs) so it's and it's interesting that if you go from where they were with creep and with the bends even the title of okay computer is from it's from the hitchhiker's guide to the galaxy radio series apparently they were listening to it in their in their tour bus and the, the full quote is okay computer i want full manual control now and tom york wrote that down and he must have gone all right you've had your fun record producers now we want to try and show you where we're going with all this yeah yeah it's an interesting one and they they are they talk about the fact that pablo honey for them was very much a they were they were shit scared in that recording studio they didn't really know what they were doing they were scared about fucking up and so they they sort of recorded stuff that they'd already recorded before that they knew would probably work that appealed to the record company the bends is a bit more of an evolution where they're feeling like they're doing a bit more of their own stuff and you can hear bits of the bends that sound like you're getting more into okay computer yeah and then okay computer is really where they open open the taps and let it all let it all go um, and really go for it on on that full Radiohead sound that everyone 
raves about and it's interesting because if you look at their influences they've they've got a lot of influences you you look at things like queen and rem and u2 and pixies who tom york says is the greatest band ever uh and joy division sonic youth talking heads radiohead actually comes from a talking head song that's that's where the actual name comes from they originally called on a friday because that's when they got together to rehearse at school <laughs> that's such a shit name for a band Terri- very terrible name so they they they've got a lot of range in terms of their influences and actually while they were recording okay computer that's that's probably even broader they were listening to things like marvin Gaye's what's going on and miles davis's uh bitches brew yeah. and and so there's there's a huge range of of musical influence and you can really hear that in a time when british band music was very focused on lots of guitars and some drums and rock and roll they're the one band that are doing something a bit different but still considered in that sphere yeah Uh, and if you're a record company that would scare the shit out of you because i think when radiohead gave the the album or the the first cut of it to capital records in the states i think capital Records said you're committing commercial suicide this is ridiculous and radiohead were like no this is what we want to do and so i think capital said all right well give us at least a single that we can put out onto the airwaves. And Radio went, how about Paranoid Android? And they're like, <laughs> so, <laughs> so have you they, seen the video for it? For Paranoid Android? Yeah, it is oh, fun. You know, you know what? It's a cartoon. I don't think I have. I've nearly all the times I've gone back to watch Paranoid Android, they play it so well live. The Jules Holland live version is the one that I go back to quite a bit. Right. But right. I, um, you know what? I, I don't think I've ever seen the video to it. What what goes on in there? Is it a, I, is it like the artwork from the album? No, it's it's this weirdly childishly cartoonish. Imagine like a late eighties, early nineties kids cartoon, yeah. but but on acid. <laughs> that's really fucked up. And I'm not going to describe it because I won't do it any kind of justice. But it's worth hunting down if if you've never seen this and you're listening to us right now pause this and go and watch paranoid androids video on youtube and then come back to us <laughs> pretty Welcome fucked up back. right yeah <laughs> <laughs> yeah so but this is the thing is that unlike a lot of bands that have all those influences but they're quite narrow they've got such a broad spectrum of things and they they have a real ambition to do those things they're not scared of getting into musical sonic territory that that they're not really experienced in yeah yeah and i think that's the thing that's really driven radiohead forward as a as a band and as as someone to listen to because other than maybe hail to the thief and a little bit king of limbs there's always new things on those albums even the later ones there's always new sounds and new things that they're trying out yeah well if if you start with straight away with airbag if you listen to the baseline on that, it kind of it stops and it starts and it doesn't quite get going. They don't play it like a your standard pop song, and you've got this kind of fun drum loop going on. The drumming's a little bit it's it's more interesting than just your four four time and and the standard style of music they were recording on on the bends mostly. So right right from the off, they do try and they do try and change their their sound without going totally bananas well it's interesting because it's it's got an edge of the bends to it the crunching guitar thing that they've got going on there feels like 
it's left over from the bends but the urgency and the cynicism that comes in particularly lyrically is is new i think that's that's very definitely you know new for okay computer and it's a hell of a way to start an album yeah yeah i remember when i first got the album so actually it's probably worth mentioning the kind of timeline of when all this happened so they released paranoid android as a single in may 97 and the album came out in june so it was the summer of 97 and a new labor were just about to get into power Britpop had was still going um, starting to eat itself a bit though wasn't it well and and i think out of those fires came came this and and it was paranoid android hit the airwaves at quite an interesting point in time and so when i, I first got the album probably a bit later i bought it in september but i'd heard the songs played on the radio in in that summer so and you and i would have been both 16 at that time yeah ish yeah that's right and that's normally when in terms of kind of musical influence starts like really hitting home because you can go to a record or you can go to what hmv or woolworths with your <laughs> 10 pounds and go and buy some dodgy cassette so did you did you have a mate that played it for you or were you mostly listening to it on, on the radio and hearing it that way i had two three three mates from school um james jason and nathan who i'm not in touch with anymore but those guys were big into radio and, and big into the bends and so that's where they introduced me to them and from there i started listening to them um separately but but i'm uh i'm lucky i saw them at glastonbury in in june a month after they'd started releasing songs from there i I saw them head and they were headlining glastonbury as well so they were massive already they're not a, a small band so to headline glastonbury on the saturday night i think it was it's a big deal already but they played a lot of okay computer which i don't think many people were expecting and a lot of the crowd hadn't heard and it was just a stonking set start right. to finish and they do have so much energy live we should we should talk a little bit about them live once we've talked about the album but yeah they when they're in the mood they are one of the finest live bands i've ever seen yeah so and then the album itself i got it on tape and straight away it it sits to the to one side of everything else that I had up until that point. It couldn't sit really with all of the normal Britpop albums because it's just so much more expansive than that. So I have a confession to make. So when it came out, my brother bought it within the first couple of weeks, I think, of it coming out. I think, again, he had friends at school and they all liked Radiohead. And, and so when it came out, he bought it. And I remember... So I shared a room with my brother growing up and he had a, um, you know, those all in one boombox style things with the CD, flappy CD thing on top. Yeah. So he bought it on CD and he brought it home Saturday afternoon and it went on the hi-fi in our room and he started playing it. And I was like, what the fuck is this depressing nonsense? <laughs> I yeah. I didn't like it the first yeah, time yeah. I heard it. I didn't like it. I thought it was depressing. I thought it was downbeat. I'd sort of heard bits of stuff off the bends and liked it because it was guitarzy. But the problem for me was that it was all of the music I'd been listening to at that time was poppy, rocky stuff. So even the rock indie stuff was still very poppy. You've got things like Oasis's role with it. You've got 
blurs park life country house all that kind of stuff that's all that all that era and that's the stuff that i was listening to and so i hadn't really got that ear for much more complex music and i remember this is literally the album that over the course of about a week took me from this is nonsense it's depressing it's terrible to holy crap this is so intricate and brilliant and clever and and mind-blowingly new and groundbreaking from a musical perspective and and literally this is an album that totally transformed where my tastes were musically in a very short period of time it's so formative for me in terms of how i listen to music well i had the 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 fortune of seeing it live when i didn't really know the album very well and i heard a lot of songs and i remember one in particular they play karma police and i remember i I was trying to get the lyrics in my head because i was watching them live and karma police when it was being played live they the keyboards kick in and then the song gets going and i was standing in this absolutely drenched muddy field in somerset listening to them and i was just trying to remember the lyrics that he was singing so i could work out which song it was on the album that i was going to get right my birthday a couple of months later i was like this song is amazing i need to remember what this song is because this is incredible and so I didn't have to work my way through the album and loop through it and loop through it to understand it because live it's just a force of nature so it just hits you in the face pretty much (laughs) well it's interesting how they talk about it as well so one thing it did teach me as an album was the whole concept of actually not giving up on an album straight away yes particularly and i mean this is totally forced on me so i'm i'm literally having to listen to this album because it's being played constantly for like days on end in the bedroom that i'm sharing with my brother so there's there's no choice in the matter he's my older brother he gets priority on his stereo and what it taught me was that you really have to some albums you have to take your time you have to let them bed in they don't necessarily have that immediacy live it has a lot more immediacy and i always think radio have have this extra level of energy and rocky danciness to the way they play when they play live but it's something that you listen to all these albums when you're younger i'm sure i would have had the same thing with something like a sergeant peppers or some of queen stuff where i might not have liked it immediately if it weren't for the fact that just was on since i was before i could even remember with my parents playing it the number of friends we have who say oh radiohead's just depressing music and stop at the point where we almost stopped and haven't gone through that period it'd be interesting to see who who would get the album now if you played it to them and said actually just take some time sit in a field and listen to it right i'm not sure i'm not sure maybe some people would change their mind a bit and it, and it can be quite hard work because where it comes from as an album is they'd been touring pretty much nonstop for four years. You know, they, they, they had this work ethic of they'd seen other UK bands that didn't put in the effort in the US. And so they knew they had to do all the touring to try and break the US. And York was going nuts. I mean, he talks about the album where he says he was basically catatonic. The claustrophobia and having no sense of reality was was palpable at that point in time. And so 
that's where a lot of this stuff comes from people think that okay computer is about a pushback against technology and society and some of it is that but a lot of it is just the the claustrophobia and paranoia and all this kind of stuff that comes from touring constantly and being tired and having no roots yeah and some people look at it and say oh they're they're trying to rebel against Britpop, but i don't think they are i think this is more of them trying to say actually there's there's a lot more to life than the than, than the pop side of things because they were supporting alanis morissette in the states which is that was the kind of that was the musical kind of bedfellow they were with back then and but apparently that was because she was a massive fan of the bends so she oh, really? invited them on tour with her because she was a huge fan of the, the bends and then they came in and they were they were playing this stuff to an audience that was sad depressed teenage girls who had no interest in listening to radiohead and so they kind of got to the point where like well no one's listening to this anyway so let's just fuck around and tune up up okay computer oh no so they were playing okay computer on this tour delanis morissette getting the songs to sound right and as you know you and i have been very fortunate with our radiohead live experiences we were there for the the in rainbows touring sessions before the album came out and it's incredible watching them when they're in that groove of tuning up an album so i'm i'm very envious of anyone who got to see okay computer as it was being worked on live yeah that alanis crowd are probably lucky i'm sure a lot of them will have enjoyed it then again the number of gigs that i've been to where i've talked over the support act because they sounded a bit shit at the time <laughs> i hope i haven't talked over a similar band like that i don't think there are any bands that i've seen as supports that have turned out as big as radiohead turin breaks is one that i saw early on that i that i love but they didn't ever get that big i think they're good though i still listen to the optimist it's classic i've listened to that more in the last 10 years than i have pablo honey yeah absolutely yeah so even recording the album was a bit a bit unusual they didn't just go into a studio do you, do you know where they recorded this yeah I, th- I think it's a place near is it near bath st catherine's court right which is a big old pile apparently uh, exit music they recorded this in a stairwell so they found this kind of big stone stairwell and you can you can hear the uh, kind of ethereal voices that's not people playing around in a in a studio that's actually the the place itself and i think about 80 percent of the albums recorded live yeah they they did but there's also so it's jane seymour's old house apparently she was she was told by some famous musician to there's got a massive ballroom in the house and apparently it's got this amazing perfect delay within the ballroom that makes recording in there sound incredible and she was told to not furnish the ballroom don't do anything with it just leave it open and rent it for musicians to record in she's the bond girl isn't she she is she's she's a bond actress <laughs> <laughs> yeah so so that's that to me was really interesting because i have heard of albums being recorded in unusual places doves recorded in some abandoned house in scotland for one of their albums and things like that so i do think you can hear it i do think it makes a difference when you've got an atmosphere for an album that that works yeah we'll talk about it more later but they recorded i think in rainbows in a place about a couple of miles down the road from me a place called tottenham house which is a massive dilapidated fallen down building but it's it's incredible and i think they were just they would literally walk around this massive pile and find rooms which were sonically interesting awesome. um, and, and i think actually what was it i read the the stones biography was it 
Keith Richards and his and his one was saying they were they were staying in a massive chateau in France. Right. And they would record in different rooms so the drums sounded better in the wine cellar and the guitar sounded better in the bedroom really? or something. So they would they would move all of their kit to different parts of this chateau to try and get the best sound. Why the fuck not? If you're if you're hanging out in a place like that to record. Oh, I, there was one other thing. Apparently Johnny Greenwood ended up sleeping in the nursery, which was weird and scary and slightly haunted. So there's a whole load of like stories about them being and and Tom York felt like he was being haunted throughout the whole of their stay at this place. It's yeah. <laughs> awesome. So let's talk OK Computer. Let's talk the actual album. I know normally we don't step through song by song, but both of us were talking about this before we started recording and neither of us could really narrow down to a few key tracks on this album it's just it's really one of those albums that in a time when record labels were pushing for singles as you've said and expecting to have a few singles that they could really flog to the general public and singles back then made a load of money that was more of a money spinner than the albums were it doesn't really have singles it is it's a piece of art in its in its own right and it works as a full album and and i will listen to it as an album i don't pick specific songs from this from this album and and listen just to those i listen to the whole thing back to back yeah i i'm exactly the same i might pick paranoid android to listen to on its own because it's almost uh it's got four separate parts to it so it's almost an album in itself but <laughs> i wouldn't i wouldn't listen to okay computer and and dip in and dip out we've we've already sort of covered airbag as an opener so let's let's dive into paranoid android this is this is the big one really this is it's it's the hit despite it not really being a single in the traditional sense of the word i mean it's it's just such an incredible song i mean i compare it to beatles to the beatles a day in the life because it it shapes the way i appreciate music in one song musically it's astounding it changes pace and direction it's polyrhythmic it's layered and complex there's so much going on it's just an incredible piece of music it's their bohemian rhapsody isn't it and i think they they did say that it would bohemian rhapsody was a bit of an inspiration in absolutely you can you can create a song that isn't just one style you can create a song that that shifts around well it's a journey isn't it it's yeah it's a piece of storytelling musically it's incredible it's really menacing and brutal in places like lyrically as well so stuff like when i am king you'll be first against the wall with your opinion which is of no consequence at all you know stuff like that is just really really in your face in a way that you almost don't realize it at the time at least not on the first couple of listens i loved it when I was an angsty teenager and you're sitting in your bedroom listening to it at 16, 17. This song in particular was amazing. Yeah. Lyrically, sonically, it, it gets angry. It chills out a bit. It's it covers all the bases. Well, that move into the kind of choral bit in the middle is 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 an amazing. It just slows everything down. And then you have this launch back into like this big guitar onslaught. I've got a comment in my notes that alludes to what you said earlier of should have scared the crap out of the record company because it was in no way conventional. Yeah. And the fact that capital in the States went with it and in the UK, 
it was released as well as the first single just shows how much faith the record companies had and just said all right go for it we'll we'll lower our sales targets a little bit because we think this is wacky but good luck well it's interesting isn't it because you get people who talk about it now or people that have really only come in on to listening to Radiohead and OK Computer in the last five, 10 years who are like, mm, don't really get the big deal over Paranoid Android. But that's partly because it's such a heavy influence on music post OK Computer that bands have done this kind of stuff more and more. And so it's, it's almost become, it's like Pixies doing quite loud, quiet. And everyone's like, well, yeah, that's not that different. It's not that. It's not. But at the time, it's like no one had done that before. <laughs> so just for for the record, everyone that's <laughs> listening, Rich and I have had an argument that started uh, in 2001, 2002, at some point around there. Um, it's kind of finished now because I've lost. And basically the argument was the Pixies were the first ever band to do Quiet Loud, Quiet Loud. And I said, absolute bollocks. They've clearly stolen it from someone else and they've ripped <laughs> off some other band. I've spent about 15 years trawling through 60s and 70s music and all sorts. And I've tried to find an influencing band that have made the Pixies do that. I just can't do it. So you win. <laughs> I, 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 I'll put my... That's it. I'm done with this this game. I don't know if we bet a beer on it. We probably did. So as of today... Oh shit! Twenty quid plus inflation. I'm ruined. Um, But yeah, the Pixies did quite loud, and and you can hear that influence in Paranoid Android totally. Right, and and the thing the thing about my point was not to make you give up on your bet because (laughs) I've known that I won that back in 2002. But the the point was more that it doesn't sound groundbreaking now because so many bands have done it. And that's why it was so groundbreaking then was because they were the first to do something like this in that way. We've harped on about Paranoid a bit, but if anyone who's listening to this doesn't know it, it is it really is worth a listen. And it's just put it on. And of all the Radiohead songs you listen to, just just try it start to finish and see what you think, because it's quite a special track. And maybe give it a couple of listens. Yeah. See what you see what you think after a couple of listens, because it's one of those. I think it's one of those tracks that really can grow on you if you give it a chance. And and I say that as someone who had to give it a chance before it grew on me. <laughs> so you come out of that and that is quite the track to have as like a second track on the album. And then you hit Subterranean Homesick Alien. So the title of that is a nod to Dylan's Subterranean Homesick Blues, which is a cool little nod, but it doesn't really sound anything like Dylan's track. No, <laughs> it's he's literally he's... just a nod. I think it's just a nod to Dylan, yeah. It's that plus Aliens, I guess. Yeah. But it's a very different style. And actually, it's quite nice. It's it's a little bit like, you know, when you go to a fancy restaurant and they go, you have your kind of, your starter. And they say, oh, would you like a little kind of palate cleanser or something after that first course? Then this is a bit like a palate cleanser. It like, it says, all right, we're going to reset and we're going to move on in in a little bit little bit of a different style and it's much simpler than paranoid android it it is but i love i love the sound of it that that kind of hazy psychedelic guitar thing that they've got going on that sounds like they're sort of smoking weed and on acid at the same time it's wistful from a lyrical perspective whereas 
paranoid androids kind of got this brutality and paranoia and feels almost claustrophobic in places subterranean homesick alien is is much more it's more of these feelings of not fitting in with the world and frustrations with humanity i i think it's a lovely song and i do think it's really underrated compared to paranoid android and and what a baseline by the way yeah it, it is a good one i i wouldn't put it in my top five okay computer songs but i think that's just because it's it's having to follow such a stonker as <laughs> paranoid android. that's fair enough also you made a point I think back on our second or third podcast about people doing shit endings to songs. <laughs> this this is how you finish a song. This track right here. That's a great point. Yeah. So next, exit music for a film. So this is the quiet one and it's really dark. It's lyrically beautiful. And I put up here like a Romeo and Juliet drama, which I then realized is apt because they <laughs> used it for the Baz Luhrmann Romeo and Juliet. So I didn't realize when I bought the album and it said exit music for a film, I assumed they were just writing it and handing it out saying this is this could be for a soundtrack. I didn't realize that Baz Luhrmann actually said, could you write us a song when they were touring back with the Lannis Morissette? And he said, can you actually put something together? Because I'm going to do a film about Shakespeare. And I think they originally put Shakespeare lyrics into the song. That was their original plan. So they were going to try and do a Shakespeare-y type song. But then they said, actually, that doesn't quite work. I don't know if you've seen the film. Have you seen the Baz Luhrmann, Romeo and Juliet? Not for a long time. It, it's amazing. It's really <laughs> worth watching. So if you don't know it, it's modern day gangs, but all in proper Shakespeare style. I remember liking it when I watched it. Yeah. And coming towards the end of the film i won't give away anything <laughs> yeah because people, people are going to have spoilers around <laughs> romeo and juliet no one knows what happens in that well there's there, yeah but there's different there's different things happen in the film like with guns and stuff but there's a gun involved and this music kicks in and it's amazing it it takes over the film and you can see why lerman's gone to radiohead to say can you put something in that's that's this epic Right. He noticed, he knew that this this kind of uh, style would work and it builds up. So it does start quietly. It does start with a little guitar, but it finishes in, in quite quite a funky way. So massive crescendo. Exactly. And, and there's there's this beautiful moment where it goes really, really quiet and then hits you with this massive menacing thing that builds up into that crescendo with the lyric. And now we are one in everlasting peace. We hope that you choke yeah it's, it's brutal i mean colin, a lot of this album lyrically is brutal colin greenwood was trying to copy portishead apparently with that he's with the bass he was he loved that trip hop heavy scuzzy bass that portishead used a lot and he tried to take that and use that in exit music to try and make that kind of sound and he's totally <laughs> succeeded yeah it's it's wonderful and, and it's one of the tracks that i really connected with when i first listened to the album it's I think because it's less complex than some of the other stuff, it's easier to grab hold of. And it, because it's melodically so pretty, I really liked it. I don't know that I love it quite as much now. I don't think I'd put it up there with the top tracks, but certainly it's it's a beautiful song and, and definitely deserves the acclaim that it's got. I like it more and more. Really? I really it's still growing on me. Yeah, I do like it. I I don't know why. Yeah, it's 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 still growing on me now. 
fair enough and then from there you're into let down which is easier going and to me i think it feels more like it sits towards the bends rather than towards the kid a end of the spectrum yeah let, let down for me is is not a let down it's another one of those songs which it sits in the album it precedes what probably my favorite song in the album and it's it's quite a delicate track if you compare that to some of their noisier stuff on the bend say there's a lot more intricacy in the, in letdown and yeah I'm, I'm i'm not a massive fan but i love it but again <laughs> i don't i just don't think it's um i don't think it's as notable as the rest yeah it sort of feels like they've they've gone down the route of writing an rem track in the middle of a radiohead album i i don't i don't dislike it i don't love it it doesn't feel out of place but it definitely isn't a highlight for me Tom York was quoted as saying that uh, Fall On Me by R.E.M. was one of the songs that he absolutely loved at the time and was a massive influence on the whole of OK Computer. Um, he said that the style that Michael Stipe uses on on that one song, which is it's pop, but it's clever pop and the time signatures are slightly off or he's singing slightly off the beat. So... If you if you don't know Fall on Me by REM, go and listen to that because that's quite an inspiration for the for this whole album. So come on, please. More menace <laughs> from Mr. Tom York. Tell us about it. <laughs> well, I again I saw this live and this is the first time I really noticed it, and it's got a very melodic piano acoustic guitar main kind of structure to it. That's that that's the that's the core of the song and in the middle of that it just blows up and for a minute there they lose themselves I guess um and (laughs) Ed O'Brien goes totally bonkers with his electric guitar and uses feedback all over the place it's a proper pop song proper almost pop structure it's got choruses and verses it's very radio friendly out of all of them although it's it's radio friendly but in a slightly menacing scary way it it's definitely got that really edgy menacingness to it i think it might be lyrically better than it is musically for me some of the lyrics in here are so cutting and so just on point so stuff like her hitler hairdo is making me feel ill and and just the line this is what you get when you mess with us is so good it's amazing isn't it I remember listening to this in my bedroom as a teenager and thinking, yeah, cool. I like these guys. They're, <laughs> they're, they're tough. They're tough, but without being the kind of, the kind of machismo running around actually saying, oh, I'm going to punch you in the face. Whereas Radiohead don't say they're going to, they're going to punch you in the face. They're just going to say, don't, don't mess with us. Cause they're going to leave it up to your imagination. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> which is way more, um, way more menacing than, than, than a punch in the face. So for me, and I think this sort of aligns with why you love it so much, I think it's a better track live than on the album. I think it's it's such an anthemically huge track. And when you're in a, a Radiohead concert with everyone else there and everyone knows the lyrics and everyone's singing along to Few For A Minute There I Lost Myself, it it is just my, I mean, literally hairs on the back of my neck going up thinking about it well this is my experience 
at Glastonbury, I, I was sitting there, all of that squelchy weird feedback was flying around and then they were singing into this chorus about um for a minute they lost themselves and and you're just sitting there I, w- I was actually standing in front of the speaker stack so i was about five people back no one else was really there because it was in the middle of a muddy pool so <laughs> i was i was right up at the front and this speaker was you could actually see the speaker shaking the the water in front of wow. you. So I was my my teenage years were like, yeah, I'll take this, and no one else wanted to go anywhere near it. So I was having full blown speaker Radiohead were probably about twenty meters away singing this stuff, and I'd never heard it before. And yeah, I was knackered after a whole day of walking around the Glastonbury site, and they played this, and what a way to experience it. Yeah, that's that is. As incredible. And I remember seeing them. Did you come to the Victoria Park gig that they did in yeah. London? Yeah, yeah, okay. I, I thought I thought you were there with me on that one. So do you remember they finished their main set before they did the encore, they finished their main set with this. And the entire crowd then started singing Few for a minute there, I lost myself back at the stage. Rather than cheering and clapping for an encore, we just sang that. Oh yeah. Yeah. That was so good. That was good. Just, Follow that. Just amazing. Like, what was it? It must have been seventy, eighty thousand people there, all singing together. Just, just that. On a really nice sunny day. Yeah, beat that. All right. So, I love the finish to Karma Police as well because it kind of squawks its way <laughs> to the end of that track, and then you get uh, Fitter Happier come in, which. I didn't like Fitter Happier for the longest time. It always used to feel like this jarring, everything shuts down and you get this um, computerized voice, which apparently comes from a Macintosh 2 is where they got that actual thing from. It's just played out of a Mac. Yeah, it's the uh, synthesized voice of Fred on the Macintosh. It's the Fred voice. <laughs> there you go. If any <laughs> Mac geeks are out there. There you um, go. And it's... It is weird, and I didn't like it too. I, I specifically didn't like it because I was on tape, so I had to fast forward this if I didn't want to listen to the to the voice. But actually, I do like it now because the well, they're not really lyrics because they're spoken word, but they are quite interesting. Um, Some huge cynicism about society going on here. Pig in a cage on antibiotics. Yeah. yeah. Tom York talks about this being more his touring experience but that certainly translates to how a lot of people think about modern life and modern society we'll come on to no surprises in a bit but very similar themes here as there are there and it, and it has this thing that feels like it's like a film score thing going on yeah and, and it's it's sort of because it's got the computerized voice it feels very sanitized but there's so much menace in there so tom york says it's the most upsetting lyrics he's ever written and I, I wonder whether he's used the computer to speak it just because it's so biting that he's thought, actually, this is so cutting. I'm not going to sing this. I'm just going to let a, a totally automated voice speak this out for me. And I, I love it. I think it works incredibly well. Teenage me didn't like it, but grown up me absolutely loves this track. And I will not skip this. I don't think I'll skip it ever again. And then you're into electioneering, which is more big stadium rock guitarsy stuff. To me, this would be just as happy on the bends as it is on OK Computer. Yeah, and it lifts the album from a fairly very depressing um, 
previous song and it's it's more upbeat it's jangly i think there's a cowbell in there somewhere jangling <laughs> around it bounces around um i think it's the lyrics are about poll tax riots it's more of a crowd pleaser musically but again they've snuck in this political sneering things like when i go forwards you go backwards and somewhere we will meet it's still not a happy song yeah it, it's it's the one song on the album that I got the Radiohead songbook for my guitar and I tried to play all of the songs on there. And actually the songbook's amazing and I, I still remember how to play most of them. But this is one of the songs that I didn't like playing. And I think it's just, it's a bit sped up uh, and it, it it jumps around. It's not a very easy, easy tune, if, if that makes sense. So I didn't, I didn't like this. <laughs> I didn't like this because I didn't like playing it on the guitar, but um, <laughs> which is a bit of a harsh harsh way of saying it but it really lifts the album from a fairly depressing place yeah and then you've got climbing up the walls which plunges us straight back into (laughs) (laughs) all the fear and loathing that tom york had going on in his head at that point in time yeah it's pretty weird. his voice sounds like he's having a bad day there's strings which i'm an absolute sucker for a well-placed string section and the strings on this song are really really well done well to me this is the scariest track on the album you've got tom york all of his lyrics and the almost the way it's recorded makes him seem really detached and remote but all the music is so up there and in your face and and fucking with you in a way that nothing else on the album really quite gets to it it feels like this is the one that gets most towards where okay computer was going maybe maybe fitter happier as well just from a kind of conceptual perspective but this to me is like being stalked around an abandoned house in a forest by a serial killer while he watches on and taunts you wow (laughs) it's really claustrophobic it's really fucked up and i i I love it but i hated it when i first listened this was one of the tracks i really struggled to get into and now it's one of my favorites yeah yeah it's not simple music it's definitely if a band who were this era's radiohead say recorded a song like that i would be skipping it on spotify straight away i wouldn't care about it and i'd miss a belter and i wonder whether bands are being as um experimental with their music nowadays just because it's so easy to skip tracks and to, to avoid stuff there will be, i'm sure there'll be some artists out there who just go sodji you need to listen to my music properly because we're making a real statement but this is the kind of track that it's easy to to pass by now i think that's possibly true but at the same time we're no longer in the era where a record company is trying to push a band to be something that it's maybe not so i i think what you find is that the big massive commercial bands are much more that simple one flavor thing whereas the much smaller indie bands now have much more control over just doing their own shit because they don't have a record label that's pushing them to do the same stuff and pump out the hits and get big and well-known yeah right no surprises my notes say in capital letters that intro yeah well it's it's an electric guitar isn't it and it's very simple um it's just such a beautiful melody i keep wondering how how bands come up with stuff like this it's so simple and if you hear it you'll recognize it if you're playing guess the song you hit that button within like about a half a second of it starting you you almost hear the first 
the first note and you know it's no surprises it's so distinctive feels like this album's street spirit which is one of my favorites from the bends it's yeah. it's got that beautiful clean melody the lyrics are incredible it's got more of this isn't society shit stuff from from york yeah you know, why don't we just all take our medicine and just let it all wash over us why not because it's it's too hard to do anything but that I mean, it starts with a heart that's full up like a landfill is the first lyric. And it's just how to start a song. And the friends of ours who were saying, oh, Radiohead are depressing. And I was like, they're not that depressing. And then they point you to this song and you're like, "Okay, well, maybe that's pretty depressing. The line, I'll take a quiet life, handshake and carbon monoxide as well. Just like that to me sums up this whole kind of there's almost hopelessness in this song. And it's. This whole album is full of this, but there's no surprises and lucky that do this better than anything else where they have something that musically sounds hopeful and uplifting here and lyrically is depressing and hopeless. And I'm lucky it's the other way around. The carbon monoxide line to me is the line of the album. Yeah, it's the it's the line that basically explains exactly why Radiohead are doing what they're doing. They're they're saying there's life can get pretty shitty and and sometimes i just want an out yeah um such a pretty house such a pretty garden no alarms and no surprises please we're all a little bit disappointing to him aren't we yeah and i'm <laughs> I, I do sometimes think you know maybe he's right like i, I sit at home some days and i just like i don't i don't want anything scary scary to happen just <laughs> g- give me my my amazon prime and a beer and I would say this this track and Exit Music are the two that really showcase Tom York's voice in all its glory. Yeah, his voice can be a bit, it's a bit difficult. It's not, it's not a pop voice. His voice has a, a falsetto to it, which is unsettling. And I think he's trying to use his voice to, to put forward the emotion that he's feeling. And... It's, it's it's sonically wonderful, but yeah, some people won't like this. It's not your Ariana Grande, is it? No, it's it's one of those things, though. It, it People call it a bit weedy and a bit whiny and all that kind of stuff, but there's a power to it that isn't there in a lot of a lot of singing. There's a raw emotion to it. It's it's funny that there are artists out there who have special voices or different voices one of my absolute favorite bands who i want to talk about at some point um are the weaker thans they're from canada the slight problem with the weaker thans is that their their lyrics the guy who sings says he's more of a novelist than a lyricist which is a nice way of putting stuff but then <laughs> the, the downside is he sounds a bit like kermit the frog and and i really 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 love their music but some people won't like their voice i think tom york is a little bit more mainstream than that but He's, he's still not for everyone it's funny it's funny you should mention Kermit the frog because um <laughs> lcd sound systems lead singer i can't remember his name right now their lead singer there's this running joke about him sounding like kermit the frog to the point where the video for new york i love you is sung by kermit the frog that's worth digging out and having a listen to didn't i'm just trying to think of the, the doyle youtube video with Kermit the Frog in, which wasn't that. It was Talking Heads, wasn't it? Is it Once in a Lifetime? I can't remember which one it is. It is Once in a Lifetime, yeah. All right, let's 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 drag it back to uh <laughs> let's drag, drag it back, back to, to Toki computer. 
because yeah. we're about to talk about Lucky and you know how I feel about this one. Well, this was their first song that they wrote for the album, wasn't it? So they wrote this before any of the other. It was before the tour where they started writing most of OK Computer. So it's 95, I think they started writing this. And they put it together really quickly, apparently. Really? Was, they, they they were told to, to get their act together by Godrich, I think. And so they, they put this down as this is where we would like our music to go. This is where we think we would be much more interesting than just repeating the Benz part two. So in 95, they were told if you write another the Benz, you'll make an absolute fortune and you'll be brilliant and everyone will love you. And Tom York and I, th- I think the whole band said, actually, this is the type of music that we want to make. And, and they wrote Lucky and said, this is where we- our music wants needs to go, really. Wow. And so it's a it's the kind of prototype of OK Computer. And I love it. Lucky is my favourite Radiohead song, has been for a very long time. You and I have had this argument on many occasions, but I am sticking to my guns on this one. I just, I know it's probably not their best track, but as a piece of music, it speaks to me so wonderfully. I love the intro. I love that quiet electronic noise that sounds like you're sitting in an electronic woodland. Uh, there's so many amazing bits this song the the lyric when it says the head of state is called for me by name but i don't have time for him when he sings that in the background you get this kind of little choral bit going on and yeah. and you hear these voices going ah and you kind of think ah this guy is he, he's he's special it's, it's just so beautiful when you get the the guitars and tom york's voice come in with i'm on a roll i'm on a roll this time I feel my luck could change. It it sounds, if you ignore the lyrics and just listen to the music, it sounds morose and a bit downbeat, you know, from a musical perspective. But those lyrics are so hopeful. And all the way through the song, they're just so hopeful that things aren't quite great now, but we're just on the brink of something wonderful and brilliant. Yeah. And so through the whole song, the bass line is wonderful. If you've got a good set of speakers just crank up the bass on this and, and listen to the way it's structured because it's it's not bass by numbers. It's a wonderful, intricate bass line which just carries the song as well. I, I yep. think it's, it's definitely... I wouldn't want to rank Radiohead songs, um, <laughs> but it's a clear top five for me. Clear top five. It's absolutely brilliant. Yeah, I love a crescendo and I love an epic piece of music and the way that all works, but the crescendo here into that chorus is is absolutely glorious and there's so much choral beauty to it and it's 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 strange because it's it feels simple but there's so much complexity going on as well at the same time it's almost a it's almost heading towards arena rock when the chorus kind of really goes for it and if you're listening to it live it's one of the songs where they'll put the light display up a bit and everyone will put their hands up in the air and it kind of and you're singing along at the top of your voice so yeah it's a it's a real it's a real belter so we saw radiohead at glastonbury in 2004 and we got separated for radiohead i don't because we were with simon when we were there and he wanted to go further forward and i wanted to go further forward and you were like no i want to hang out here so I think we were probably halfway between the sound desk and the stage and you were further back by the sound desk. You tell a story from 
lucky kicking in and literally just from the intro bit of noise the guy next to you just went lucky <laughs> yeah yeah he he got really excited yeah and they 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 played it every time i've heard it it's they always play it the same some some of their songs they'll they'll piss around with but this one they just knock it out of the park every single time it's great i i am not ashamed to say that this makes me cry with happiness when i see them play this live <laughs> It is it is just so wonderful. Listen to this song. <laughs> and, and then we're on to the final track of the album, The Tourist. So this one, lyrically, it's not quite as upbeat, but it sounds like almost a release of slightly more musically upbeat and positive and a little bit of hope coming in at the end of the album. It's such a weird track, actually, for me, because back in the 90s, a lot of bands at the very end of the album would either produce a, a really full on ballad or a kind of an album closer. And Radiohead have gone, we're not doing the album closer. We're doing like a bluesy waltz that just kind of slowly <laughs> drifts its way out. Of the... And, and I didn't get this. I, I got annoyed by this the first time I heard it. It's like the last track in the album must be, must be brilliant. But, but for this one, Radiohead just kind of said, actually, we're just going to tone it down and, um, and and give you a song that's just a bit more gentle. See, I, I love the irony of the very last note on OK Computer being a little triangle ting, ting from an album it's... that's such a complex and massive piece of work. There's just this little yeah. ting. Well, remember that in The Bends, their last song was um, Street Spirit. Mm-hmm. So, so Which is epic. Well, exactly. And and so I saw the last album, the song, thinking and thinking if they've managed to do Street Spirit for the Benz, then this is going to close the album. And it doesn't. And I, th- I wonder whether Radiohead have just gone, no, we're just doing the this our way now. But again, I think I, I agree with you in terms of what you expect from it. But there's very much this feeling of if you listen to the album as a whole, there's all this built up tension and introspection and cynicism and edge to the rest of the album that, that this feels like such a release and such like a Ooh, take a breath and come back out into the real world. And I love it for that. Yeah. And it's simple. The lyrics are simple. Hey, man, slow down is the <laughs> is the line that they keep repeating. Idiot. Uh, uh, idiot. <laughs> and after the whole of the, the album, which is so emotional this is quite cathartic yeah so in terms of an album i cannot think of very many albums of the kind of modern modern music era that are as complete and brilliant as this and and i don't feel like it's aged it feels totally vital and entirely relevant today it's got that sound that puts it up with some of the real great albums of the 60s 70s 80s you go back and look at like Pink Floyd or an obvious comparison in the way that they've, you can put on a Pink Floyd album and it stacks up now. And the Radiohead album stacks up like, okay, computer will, it just, it just has that, that, that timelessness. Absolutely. Yeah. I don't think we can say much more about it. Can we? That's, that's gotta be about it. I mean, we've been recording for almost an hour now, which is way beyond what we normally manage. So that tells you quite how passionate we are about this album and how much if you haven't if you haven't listened to it or if you've decided that Radiohead are a 
bit depressing so you're not going to listen to it hopefully we've persuaded you that it's worth giving it another go yeah it's definitely influenced both of us it's probably influenced millions of people i would say so it's uh it's one that stands the test of time definitely worth a listen so thanks for uh making it this far in the podcast if you want to get hold of us we are i might be wrong in brackets music on facebook we are i might be wrong uk on twitter henry has promised that he might actually get a twitter account up and running so that he can respond personally back to some of the people who've given him flack for not knowing what what he's talking about when it comes to Britpop. uh you can always get hold of me at rich n underscore tog on there we'll both respond to the twitter we'd love to hear from you it's great to chat to those of you who have been interacting with us on there thanks for joining us for another week thanks for now bye Thank you for listening to another episode of I Might Be Wrong.